Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. It's not about having the right opportunities. It's about handling the opportunities right. Welcome. Hello. Bonjour. Hola. <laughs> Thanks again for joining the Profitable Photographer. I'm still Lucy Dumas, Lucy with an I, and I have a fun conversation coming up today with Heather Davidson Mine, and she's a very successful photographer in Toronto, Canada, and we'll introduce her in just a sec, but I want to mention, if you don't know, I'm going to be starting a group to specifically teach, again, my tried and true sales system. It's the Profitable Photographer Sales Academy. So if you want to send me an email, we could set up a quick chat to tell you more about it and watch the Facebook group called the Profitable Photographer and your email if you're in my uh, email group for more information as I unfold that. So that being said, let me tell you a little about Heather. She is a printed art portrait photographer and owner of Fun Love Photography. As I said, in Toronto, she's award-winning, accredited, and a master design portrait artist specializing in heirloom portrait artwork for discerning families. And she's had her business since 2009. And one of the reasons I said, hey, Heather, could you get on my podcast? Is because she recently posted in uh, my group, The Profitable Photographer, which you are welcome to join, that she had a $50,000 sale. And she mentioned that some of the things that she learned from being in my sales academy in 2019, 2020 came in handy and helped her that, that. So hi, Heather, welcome. And thanks for being on the show. Hi, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me today. You're welcome. So tell me a little, just a Cliff Notes version of how you started your business, you know, and how is it going so far? <laughs> yeah, I started my business in 2009. Um, actually, it, it predates that even a little bit. I used to race bicycles and um, I let my husband borrow my camera and he started taking photos of the races and the racers in the races. And he turned that into a business. And then when I stopped racing, I grabbed that business back from him uh, and completely overturned it and uh, turned it into what it is today, which is a um, a printed art portrait photography service. Um, and yeah, it, uh, it's morphed from there from the very beginning was 2009 was my first family photo session. I was 41 weeks pregnant and my husband carried my gear for me. Um, needless to say, I didn't shoot a lot over the next few months after that. But once my son started to get a little bit older, I, um, I just jumped right in and became a a busy family photographer. Um, that was nearly 12 years ago. And over those years, uh, I've really evolved the business to uh, become what it is today, which is not the shoot and burn that it sort of started as, but um, a photography boutique that uh, really serves clients uh, to the fullest degree, 
and aims to put printed uh, wall portraits on their walls and beautiful heirloom albums on their coffee tables and uh, really makes them happy families. I love it. And the thing that um, I want people to realize is she started her business in 2009. What was going on back then? It was one of the biggest recessions. They call it the Great Recession. And yet you started a business in the middle of that. How did you have the courage to do that? Well, I think it was just a life stage for me. Uh -huh. um, I was, uh, you know, as I said, I was just about to have my son. Um, and I guess in a way, it was just sort of a way that I thought I would keep myself busy while I went on a maternity leave. We got a year's worth of maternity leave up here in Canada. Um, so it was going to be a way just to fill my time and make a little bit of money on the side. But, uh, you know, after the year went by, I went back to my original employer and said, I'm not coming back. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, I just, I, I mean, I was lucky that I had the opportunity to to take that time to play a little bit. And, and I wasn't too concerned about uh, the income. So it, it gave me a little mm. bit of time to figure things out. And then of course, you know, once, once I was sort of jumped in with two feet, um, it then became more important that I made an right. income from it. And that's how, you know, over the years, how I learned to, um, you know, how I evolved the business to become something that was profitable instead of you know, a side hustle. So I don't know if you know this, but I started my business in the middle of a big recession and I just didn't know any better. And it sounds like you're just like, I'm not going to be like, oh, we're in a recession. You can't start a business. You just went for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And actually I find that um, people who work diligently in the middle of some of the down times like we've had recently when things turn around we're in a stronger position than before it started uh, do you know what i'm talking about are you you're referring to the covid times well yes and and maybe the 2009 you weren't aware that the business climate came back even healthier and stronger because you hadn't been in the industry yeah, uh, yeah. during the, during the, when money was like just lying on the ground <laughs> for every photographer, it was so easy in 2008. So anywho, yeah. I mean, I know Canada, you're still fairly locked down or what's going on in your area in terms of being able to get together with people and photograph and such. Yeah, we, we're really, we really opened up just in the last month or so. Um, photographers in particular <laughs> were really locked down. I'm, I'm not sure why, um, but we, we did lobby for an earlier opening. So we, we're definitely uh, more or less fully open now. Um, but yeah, for, for me personally, and, and you know, and a little bit of reference back to the 2009 timeframe when I started, um, I just took the time to, you know, it was more of a personal choice. And during COVID, it was, a, it was a, again, a personal choice for me to, you know, sort of lock myself down in a way, my, my own family, just for my own peace of mind and my own, you know, my own me mental health, my own health concerns, um, you know, just concerned about my family. And um, so I really took that, the time during COVID just to step back and say, you know what, it's okay. Um, this is a, obviously a global crisis. It's okay to step back and just reevaluate 
Um, so I really did. I know there were times where we were less locked down than others. And I know other photographers were out there, uh, you know, marketing and hustling and pushing. And um, I took my time with it. And I, so what's happened uh, in the last few months is that I've, I've really been able to um, take another step in the, in the evolution. I've worked on my website. I've worked on my mindset. I've worked with, I'm starting to work with some marketing professionals um, and so really, I'm, I'm really excited at this point that I'm going to sort of make a comeback in the fall. Not, and I've been <laughs> shooting a little bit all along, but I'm going to make a comeback in the fall. And I feel like I'm in a great position to really hit the ground running. And, and I credit a lot of that to just being, you know, being able to step back um, in my, you know, in my mind and in my work. And, uh, and it goes so back in 2009. Uh, and again, during COVID, I've been able to uh, focus on how I'm feeling and how I'm prepared uh, and a little bit more about, you know, not so much worried about what's going on out in the world, but what's going on more uh, internally for me and in my mind. And that's something that, um, that Lucy, actually, you've really uh, highlighted for me as we've spoken over the years is that uh, where, you know, where you have to think about where you want to be and what you want to do to make that happen for you. So, I guess in a way, I feel like maybe I haven't been quite as swayed by what's going on out in the world. Mm -hmm. I've followed my own, my own lead in a way. I love it. <laughs> and honestly, I think that anyone that is um, successful or has dreams, that that's where they need to focus. There's always things you can blame, right? Um, the dog ate my homework. Mm -hmm. Everyone's giving their files away so I can't sell prints um uh I don't know I have children or I don't have children or you know I'm too old or I'm too young or I don't look right or my work's not good enough or I don't know I could make a long list on that <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. and the I mean, there's is a lot of things that there's a lot of those thoughts that I have and I I still have them I have them I've had them on and off but at the end of the day you just have to um, believe that you're worth it and that you're just going to push on through and, and do the things that are right for you. Um, and yeah, it's tricky. It's tough along the way, but uh, there's always a path through, I think. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you've heard me say this before, but when I first started in 82 and in the middle of a recession, which is how I ended up unemployed. So I had uh, time to build a business I said, I'm going to be a photographer. And I think 99% of the people I said that to said, it's too competitive. You won't make it. Uh, women don't go into photography. I don't know, lists as long as my arm or longer of reasons why it was a very bad idea. But I, I don't know if this is true for you, but I had this burning something inside of me that knew I needed to do this. And I believed in myself. And sure, just like you said, you have times when, when that wavers, because yeah. <laughs> nothing's a straight line. But um, I'm guessing that there was some confidence that you had in yourself. Am I right? Yeah, I feel I feel like I've always had that sense of self worth. And knowing that I'm worth something and that my time is worth something. And it's a bigger picture too, because if I, 
if I create that model of business and I show my worth and, the, and other photographers see that and other small business owners, other women in small business see that we, our time is worth a lot and our, we're worthy and what we have to offer is valuable, then I feel like it's a, you know, a rising tide in a way it's when everybody sees that value and sees that worth and then other people can start to step up and recognize and show their worth and their value and it elevates the industry mm. and lifts everybody up and 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 teaches the market teaches people out there that what we do is very valuable and it's not easy and it's not um, you know it's it's got a tremendous value and a tremendous worth and it's worth paying for it's worth investing in so yeah does that does that answer the question totally totally <laughs> I could, we probably talked for a long time about how it is that you have always had a feeling of value and self-worth because I think a lot of people come into this industry wanting to gain a feeling of self-worth by accomplishing something. And I think it's interesting that what you've accomplished has come from that initial, or at least however it was you got there before you started your business, that you already knew that and what you create has value and that you, you wanted even exchange for that or I, reciprocity And that what I think I'm hearing is that you weren't trying to get your self-esteem from this career. Well, I mean, it's, yeah okay I mean, when you wrap it up like that it makes me and it does make me think again because I definitely yes I definitely have a baseline uh, sort of a, a probably a high baseline of knowing my my worth but at the same time I still I do still look for you know hints from clients that they're happy that makes me feel good and um, you know I, I love to I love to get that little bit of recognition and knowing and making people happy so it's it's I mean I guess it's a process it's probably something that never ends that you just mm -hmm. continue looking for affirmations of your value um, but I guess yeah if you you have a baseline of knowing what your value that you have value and you can provide value it's nice to have the reinforcement knowing that you've that other people are seeing that value and recognizing that, that mm -hmm. even outside of what they, what they agree to pay you <laughs> and what right. you have to be paid, uh, you know, it's great to have the, the reassurance that people are seeing and appreciating what you're offering. Right. Well, and to me, that is one of the most fun parts and why I do in-person sales, even if I'm doing something as a full donation, Mm -hmm. I still sit with the, the people and show them the work because my favorite part is <laughs> them going ooh and on laughing and crying and also picking what they love the most because that also grows me when I see what, yep. what yep. my clients want. And so to me, one of the disservices to ourselves in, um, doing a shoot and share model is that we don't get, we don't get the yummy appreciation in the moment. And we also don't get the feedback. So um, yeah, I love that you started out or that you quickly got on track for, I want to sell art. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I know that when you enrolled in my, I think at the time it was called big money, happy client sales Academy. 
um, I wasn't the first person that you ever came in contact with to, to learn from. <laughs> You'd been at it for uh, 10 years. What were you hoping to get from that? Can you, it's been a couple of years, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't have formal education in photography. I'm actually an engineer by training. Um, and uh, so, yeah, the the learning curve for becoming a portrait photographer and then furthermore to becoming a portrait photographer who can make a living from portrait photography um, is is huge. And I mean, over the years, I've done a number of workshops. Um, you know, you, you sort of buy courses online and, you know, they you sort of, they gather dust in your folders. And mm -hmm. um, so for me, I, you know, over the last few years, I've reached the point where I know that for me, the value that I'm going to get from working with someone, there, there has to be a, a personal relationship. There has to be, there has to be some element of one-on-one -on -one for me because, because I feel like you know, what I'm doing, of course, you know, what everybody is doing is unique, but I, I know that, and I know we all share from each other when we, and we, and we learn from each other when we're in groups together and that has tremendous value as well. But yeah, I'm always looking for at least a little bit of a component of one-on-one -on -one to, to mm -hmm. address, you know, my specific stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of at a point where I'm just, just looking for just to up the game, always upping the game, always looking for ways to do things a little bit better, to make things a little bit easier for myself. Um, to, to win back time uh, that I can spend with my family um, as opposed to, you know, working every, every day, all day and every evening. Mm. Um, I love, yeah, yeah. I love that. Winning back time. I love that. that <laughs> yes. Yeah. And look, looking for inspiration too. Um, so, you know, at, you can spend tons of times on, in, you know, on, in forums and groups and, and reading people's posts. And there's so much advice and information and a lot of it can be conflicting. So, you know, being able to talk to someone helps you um, sort out, you know, resolve some of those conflicts in terms of mm -hmm. what's going to work best for you mm -hmm. uh, and picking through and, you know, picking through the information and taking what you need because not everything is applicable to everybody. And, and like I said, you know, not everything, um, doesn't conflict. So you have to, you have to sort through the weeds. So that's for me, that, that personal relationship with someone being able to speak with someone being part of the groups and, and having someone on one time is really critical. It's a critical use of my time. It's the best mm -hmm. way to use my time to learn is to really, is to focus in really and not. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I recently did a, I think it was a two month program with a a teacher that combines spirituality with the idea of wealth. And I haven't finished the actual course part, but I was in on all of the live groups and I keep thinking, oh, I'm going to get around to that. <laughs> so I know what you mean. There's something about the guided, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or a group where you're, you know, you're a part of it um, that I find valuable. So are there some key ahas or ideas that have been valuable to you from my specific sales course? Yeah, one thing that I alluded to earlier was just the feeling of knowing that the way you behave and the way you act and the way you believe in yourself and the way you feel uh, all is very important towards creating the you know the way you present yourself in the world and that is very important for the way you're going to find success 
so sort of, uh, you know, I always think of it in terms of vibrating at the right energy. Now I'm not sort of a, you know, crystal hugger type of person, but, uh, mm -hmm. but I've really embraced um, some of the techniques that you Lucy have talked about, like just, uh, you know, manifesting and thinking the right thoughts and thinking the positive thoughts. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, a level of mindfulness that puts us in the right place to be successful and mm. yeah I mean it does sound a little bit woohoo but it I really do believe in it I'm you know it, I, I as I said I trained as an engineer I'm a very logistical you know mathematical scientific type of person behind the photography so mm. you know for me to embrace that sort of um more of the more esoteric type of um ideology it's it's that's harder for me but i'm really in a place after working with you lucy that i really truly believe that the way we the way we show up in the world is key to what we're going to get back from the world mm. that really makes me happy because uh it's sort of my hidden agenda like mm -hmm. my sales course has step by step here's the anatomy of a phone call here's you know this 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 and it makes me happy that also in the midst of it, the, I guess the most common thing people would call now, say that again, the most common term people might use is mindset, but it's deeper than that. So it, it does bring me joy that that, that came through as well. And I was trying to decide as a coach, should I, should I call myself something where like, Oh, the mindset photography business coach or something. And my trainer at the time said, go for business and, and that the path of, to success also includes inner work and that will just naturally be a part of it. So thank you for, for that. Are there any specifics in the details that you took away that's a little different or I know? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, on, on, you know, when you speak, speak of business, it's, one sort of major thought that I took away was, was your idea of becoming a trusted advisor. And that has been really key for me. It's, it's, you know, it, it's turned my attitude within myself around a little bit because I believe now that I'm the trusted advisor. I'm not just someone who's trying to convince people that they need to do portraits and they need to purchase portraits and they need to purchase an album and put arrangements on their walls. Um, I really do believe that you know, it, it's helped me to believe that by making myself out to be the trusted advisor, that I really am the trusted advisor. I've, I've done this for many people. I know what works on walls. I know what it means to have, you know, two kids in a family and versus three kids. How is that going to impact the way we arrange our photos on the wall? You know, I, I have all these little bits of knowledge that I've gained from doing this over the years that I really do. I do have so much to offer the families that I work with that you know i'm i can guide them through the process and mm -hmm. create a lot of value and i and i'm now able to speak to them in a way that helps me convey that i have this this knowledge to share and give and that it's value to valuable to them so yeah so your your theory of becoming the trusted advisor has been excellent for me good good yeah i didn't realize until i began coaching and trying to like make it into a little strong perfume of wisdom, you know, and take all this stuff over my decades of experience and success. Like, what have I been doing and how can I explain it? And 
then I saw that word in something I was reading that said trusted advisor. And I was like, that's it. Mm -hmm. We build a relationship in a great salesperson gets your trust and worthy trust, not like tricks you, but, but gets you to trust that they have your best interest, that they care about you and that they have expertise to guide you. And then, um, you know, the step-by-step skills to, to build that and then to unfold a great sale, you know, all of that goes together, but yeah, I love all this. Mm -hmm. So let's get to the main event, which is the (laughs) anatomy of the $50,000 sale. Is that the highest one you've had? First of all, what kind of averages do you normally have? uh, Um, Say just before COVID. So 2019, um, I was sort of hitting an average of probably, I don't know, somewhere between three and four. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the beginning of COVID, I had my first five-figure sale. It was my, it was the, it was the last session I shot before COVID, and my first Zoom uh, IPS, oh. <laughs> uh, and that was a, that was my first five-figure at, at a, a bare ten. <laughs> ten mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so this was a, this was a very big jump for me. But it was a client that I'd had for a couple of years. Uh, I'm happy to give as much background as you want, but it was a client I'd had for a couple of years. I knew there was. Uh, there was a lot of money there, but I also knew there was a lot of value for, um, for my service. Um, so I nurtured it a little bit and was really happy when it came through. So can you explain more how you nurtured that? Yeah. So uh, a bit of background, this, this client came to me, um, not even, she didn't even come to me herself. She, uh, she sent her party planner to me. (laughs) Mm. Um, So, so I've, often donated to silent auctions and find the most success with those through private schools. So she was um, a parent at a private one of the, one of these private schools that I donate to. And she never she never bid on my um, offering. But she grabbed my business card. And I guess uh, the way she said it, it sounded like there was a couple of other photographers in the auction, she grabbed their business cards too, took them home. Uh, went through all of our websites and chose me. So, you know, right mm. off the bat, I guess she liked what she saw. So that's the first step. Um, and then when it came time to actually, uh, you know, put get us together, she was planning our 10th birthday party for her son. I was very fancy at her home. Um, you know, she did all, she, you know, she did all, all the, the fun things, you know, pulling out all the stops. And so the party planner called me and she spoke to me as if I knew this woman and so the first thing I did was set her straight. I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't know who this person is. You know, I, I, I had my, my scam <laughs> bells ringing in my mind, but I'm like, uh-huh. you know, hear, hear it out, listen to what she's saying. And she says, oh yeah, she wants, my client wants you to shoot her son's 10th birthday party. And, and I thought, oh, you know, that's not really my jam. <laughs> I'm like, how do I, uh-huh. how do I get, how do I get this woman off the phone? Right. Um, but to be quite honest, it wasn't the busiest um, moment of my career. And I, I thought, you know what, let's just let's just do it or, or let's just give her, uh, you know, in fact, I sort of thought, let me give her a go away price. Right. Something I thought she would. Never, uh, <laughs> okay. never go Wait, for. I have to I have to pause a sec. Yeah. I like that. Tell me what a go away price means. <laughs> well, OK, Lucy, between you and me, it's it's not I don't actually call it the go away price. I know. I know. 
I much I have much more choice words for that that I probably can't say on this podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> um, the go away price is basically. I mean, I've sort of always had the mindset that I do almost anything as long as I'm properly paid for it. You know, obviously in a in a legal moral sense, I, I right <laughs> murders out. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, I, I had someone asked me to shoot on Christmas Eve once and I had two little kids at home and I said, sure, you know, here's my, here's my fee for doing that. And it was, you know, I don't even remember what it was, but it was so outrageously high that, you know, I never heard from them again, but you know, I I didn't say no. I said, yeah, here's my price, make it Mm -hmm. worth, you know, make it worth my while. So for her, I gave her a price that I thought was going to make her, you know, probably go away. Um, But she didn't and said she you know she agreed to it and then she started saying oh and I also want this and I also want that and I also want this so she you know she what she wanted to do at the end of the day was gift all the party attendees gifts like you know desk displays and wall pieces for as their party favors mm. so I was like okay this is this wow. is getting interesting so uh anyway so we you know that was a, a great experience she called me again the following year so I did his 11th party um, that was just before COVID. But the thing is, is that doing, you know, shooting these parties, they would all start in her home and then they would go off to some, you know, fancy place to continue the festivities. But I, so I was in her home. And then of course, both times I was in her home to, um, you know, sell her the photos afterwards as well. And so, you know, I would talk about the rest of her family, which uh, they live all over the world. Her husband is not often uh, at home with her and her, she has two much older children who are also based, you know, one's in the, one's in the US and one's in England. Uh, so her family's all over the world. And I saw over her fireplace, she had a photo, a family, like a beautifully framed family photo, but her son, whose 11th birthday I had just shot was a baby, babe in arms. So, you know, I just started talking about, oh, let's get that updated for you. And, uh, you know, she was interested in an album. And I said, oh, you know, what we can really do is is create this beautiful heirloom quality album and we'll put it in a keepsake box. And, um, you know, let's make sure we, we get you as many photos in there as possible. So, you know, planting seeds for the upgraded I I sell albums based on number of images. So, you know, I'm already talking about upgrading her and uh, yeah, so it was just always, um, and she bought albums from the birthday parties as well. So, um, so yeah, so I knew the appetite was there. So I just continued to, to talk about what it would mean to, if she was able to, you know, create the same keepsakes from a family portrait session. So um, eventually, uh, it was the middle, well, it was, uh, yeah, sort of the middle, middle of, or just before our, our third wave lockdown mm-hmm. this year, she called me and she said, all my family is in town for the next three days. Mm. <laughs> I was like, let's do this. <laughs> so, yep. we did it. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, and I mean, just, you know, planting the seeds of, of the fact that she really needed an updated family portrait session and then staying in front of her, you know, making sure she was getting my newsletters and opening my newsletters and, uh, you know, just reaching out and saying hi every now and then. And um, yeah, just, just being there for her to remember. Mm. So some of the things, so newsletters, phone calls, uh, planting those seeds while you were in her home. What other kinds of things do you do to nurture people over time? Do you, do you send thank you gifts? So um, what I've done, uh, what I did for both of the parties, I would include 
little goodies when, when I delivered their um, when I delivered their artwork. Mm -hmm. And then they've just ranged over the years. Also, when I do the IPS, I bring, uh, you know, I bring desserts and, um, you know, maybe a bottle of champagne. And so there's, you know, I definitely make it a fun experience mm -hmm. as well. So, mm -hmm. and yeah, you, there's a thank you card that goes out. Um, and yeah, over time, I'm working, you know, sort of always working on improving the systems, but yeah, yes, reaching yeah. out sort of at landmark times. And of course, because of COVID, things sort of went a little bit topsy-turvy, but I was I was all ready to reach out and say, you know, what's happening for the 12th birthday parties? So, right, right, yeah, right. So. Yeah. So one of the things I started doing um, maybe 10 years ago, I should have done it sooner, is mailing a thank you gift that is not a photography thing. And I don't do food or alcohol because... I'm addicted to sugar. And if you sent me something, I would eat it and that would, and it'd be years before I could get off the sugar again. Yeah. And I, and so I came up with um, some nice gifts that, that I don't give them at delivery, but it comes in the mail. So that's just a little tip for listeners. Always thank you cards. And I love that you have regular newsletters and that you call and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm so, working on figuring out what to gift her from this session because I have only delivered a couple of weeks ago. So I, I do need to sort that soon. Mm -hmm. But I've been also listening to her, taking cues, you know, and I she mentioned at one point, oh, she was trying to lose a couple of points. I'm like, okay, note to self, we're not sending chocolates or anything. And right. you know, there was a there was a comment about uh wine or something. And so I thought, okay, note to self, we're not sending alcohol. And so mm -hmm. yeah, I'm at the point now and and I also know because her family's all over the world, I'm you know, I'm sort of wondering, do I want to gift them an experience? And, you know, how will that be perceived if, if her husband is not in town with her? Something, mm -hmm. it's something that I just gift to her as a personal experience. She's also very nervous about COVID. So I'm like, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky, a tricky spot right now, but yeah, we'll figure out the right thing. Lately, I've been formulating an idea of a, like a pamper box is mm -hmm. when I bought a new luxury latex bed I got this little box that had um lotion loofahs um little eye thing that you freeze that's lavender smelling um I personally do a gift certificate for a, a nice restaurant it's a it's not really a chain in San Diego but the but there's like a dozen restaurants uh from a, steakhouse to to um burger joints so i'll include a, a restaurant gift certificate and then i include something of my personal art my uh if you do flowers or travel or something um i make up nice coasters mm -hmm. and tie them up now with a fifty thousand dollar sale i'd have to i'd have to really up my thinking <laughs> on on that but um what i like to avoid is gifts that have photographs because i yeah. think in a way it devalues or it seems like less of a gift because oh yeah well of course she didn't go out and spend money on this she just ordered something from her lab yeah. i don't want anybody i don't want them to have a like a mouse pad with their kid on it right. <laughs> and it gets crusty and dirty so yeah. yeah but the experience it's an interesting yeah it's a lot to think about on that so 
what did they buy for $50,000? A little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they do have a number of homes around the world. So I think the, the way they went into it was uh, to say, you know, we sort of want one of everything for each of our homes. So uh, at the end of the day, they bought uh, four fully, like fully upgraded albums uh, five fully upgraded portrait boxes. They bought uh, two 40 by 60 statement pieces, two 40 by 60 multi-image frames. Uh, and then they bought, yeah, four wall arrangements. And then just for fun, they threw in four desk pieces. So a little bit of everything <laughs> that I sell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So did you total that up with her or you just knew that you'd just tell her what it was? Like, how did, how did you get the money? Yeah, like, I mean, I, you tell actually, her? I had to, to accommodate them and, you know, knowing them and knowing that there, there was going to be a sale, I trusted them because I'd worked with them before. Um, I, I allowed myself to bend a little bit from my normally sort of more, you know, stringent rules about how, how we best make that sale, you know, getting mm -hmm. Paid as soon as possible, and and you know, getting the commitment right away. And so, what I what happened is we went through the images together at our at our, you know what I do as my my IPS, which I call my premiere night. Uh, we went through the images together, and then you know the the dad he had just traveled and he was very tired, and he said, you know, listen, I I can't do this right now. I, I love these images. I have a good feeling for, you know, I've seen the products. I have a good feeling for what we want, but I'm going to have to go and think about what we want on all of our walls. And, you know, of course, there's a piece of me that's like, oh, oh, oh. but, you know, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to trust them in this situation. So again, it's not what I normally do, but I did, I did bend rules to make, you know, to make this a great experience for them as well. I just, I just felt that that's what they needed. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, so then we reconvened uh, I think it was three or four days later. And she just presented me with a list of what she wanted. And to be honest, um, I was incredibly surprised. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, oh yeah, we can add that. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah, we want that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, sh and she said to me, so can you get back to me with a quote? And mm -hmm. I said, yes, I can. So yeah, I, I didn't do it on the spot. So it, you know, it even became a third conversation. And that's where you came in, Lucy, because I started totaling up these numbers and I was like, oh my goodness, I don't even know how to say these numbers out loud, right? Mm -hmm. so, um, so yeah, so that's where I, I began to talk to you. And I, so what I did is I totaled up a la carte because you know she she didn't look at my investment. I do have a printed investment guide, for better or for worse. She didn't look at that. She didn't look at my collections. She just knew. She just wanted what she wanted. Um, so I you know I took it all. I totaled up a la carte. It came to seventy five thousand. Uh, and then I said okay, but uh, the way I've always sort of uh, thought of the, the way that I sell and, and the way that I've spoken about the way that I sell to my clients is that I'm gonna. Uh, I'm going to create a collection for you. And so, yes, I mean, I, I like a la carte is great. So, yes. Yeah, so what I did is I took the, I took the items that they wanted and in, in my, you know, in my, my big spreadsheets, again, former engineer, <laughs> in my mm -hmm. big spreadsheets, I created what I thought of as a package price. 
uh, and I sort of approached it as if she was buying multiple of a package. And I, I do, I will sort of create custom package pricing for people. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's part of my model. I mean, my prices can withstand that. You know, my a la carte prices are, are very high so that I do have room to, um, to play. So then I came out with her. I think I had, I think the total was in 54. And that was the number that I took to her. Mm -hmm. Um now, did she know what a la carte pricing was? So that yes. She oh, and I and there's there's one more there's one more layer here, and that's what I call my premier night pricing. So if you commit to your purchase on your premier night, then you get that premier night pricing. If you don't, if you choose to not make a purchase and you make a purchase after your premier night, then it's actually twenty five. It's sorry, it's about twenty percent more. So I never present, and I told her right from the beginning. I prefaced it with with this number. I said, listen, I've decided because you're you know you're 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 such an important client to me that I'm going to offer you premier night pricing, uh, even though premier night has passed. And so she was, you know, right off the bat, she knew that I was taking care of her and, you know, doing right by her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, so I came out with that, the, so that was the number that I presented it. So the premier, the a la carte premier night pricing was 75. Um, without it, it was uh, with, you know, the after premier night pricing was, I can't remember now in the eighties or nineties. Um, so anyway, so I came to her with the 54, but yeah, it was through that. It was through speaking with you, Lucy, that I figured out how to even carry that conversation. And I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know how much, you know, but you were, you were telling, you know, you were thinking out loud in a way and saying, Oh, let's try saying it this way and make sure you say this. And I was taking notes like mad ah. <laughs> when we, when you and I uh, got off the, got off our call, I literally wrote out a script. Ah. Um, and you know what I also did is I spoke with my husband who is not my ideal client mm -hmm. and is not, um, he's not in this world. He's a software developer. He's like totally also an engineer by training, but also very good with words. So, um, so I took his perspective too, which is to say someone outside of, of our photography world, um, just to gain that perspective as well. So yeah, so I scripted out the calls and funnily enough, that first call went exactly to script. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I had really, really anticipated really well what exactly what she was going to say. So mm. um, at the end of the day though, and I, I even knew that she was going to bargain. She was going to try a little bargain with me because she'd, mm -hmm. she'd actually done that before. Um, so she said, you know, you know, she hummed and hawed, just like I knew she would. Mm -hmm. She said, Oh, you know, you're killing me, you're killing me. But uh, um, I just let her I let her say it. And I was mm -hmm. quiet. And then uh, she sort of talked around it herself. And then she said, What if we make it a flat 50? So then I hummed and hawed a little bit, you know, again, uh -huh. having practice. And I thought, well, you know, that, you know, we we're really at the best price. We've, you know, I reminded her that we have already doing the premiere night pricing and the package pricing but of course in my mind I was like yes I'm willing to go <laughs> like <laughs> and you know the, the funny thing is is that towards the end of the call I, you know we hadn't quite landed yet and she she said you know I think maybe I need to go back and rethink this I was like mm -hmm. fine. <laughs> not quite not quite that easily but that's when I was like you know what I don't want this to go on any longer so so that was the that was the point that I thought, okay, this, let's finish this. And that's when mm -hmm. I went to, to her bargain. So yeah, there was maybe a little, a little more bargaining that I'd really wanted, but, sure. uh, but again, at the end of the day, um, 
my cost of goods on that was around 17. Things get expensive in Canada. So my cost of goods was around 17. So I, you know, 17,000. Yes. So um, that, yes, that's right. Um, so I'm happy with where I came out on that. Mm -hmm. So that your normal 75,000 is actually, what would that be like 15% cost of goods, 20? I don't know, I'm not doing uh, Yeah, like I say, things are do get expensive for us up here in Canada for various reasons. Um, sure. My cost of goods can often run, I'm not sure what the percentage is on that, uh, but they can often run sort of 30, you know, 20 to 40% even. Yeah, well, yeah. we should talk about that offline <laughs> sometime because it cost of goods is expensive everywhere. Mm -hmm. and, and I recommend trying to diligently stay under 25, but ideally 15. So there might be some little pricing areas that could be help balance that out. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Now I love that you, um, and congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you, you knew your client. So you knew a, that she does like to negotiate some mm-hmm. as a part of it. I, I don't know if you've listened to me talk about um, the working for the Mickelson family, Phil Mickelson, the golfer, and she's from small town in Idaho. And so even though, you know, they have plenty of money, there also always needed to be some um, extra value, even though the, you know, they were big number orders I worked really hard for them yeah whereas my first I don't know if you've heard my story of that first twenty thousand dollar sale that I had to sit on it and practice for two weeks yeah. even saying it out loud well I knew that she never negotiated because I'd done her daughter's wedding I'd done uh, a party for her husband's business so I knew that whatever I said it costs it was going to be that. And yeah. so I just said, it's 20. And she said, okay, how do you want me to pay for it? And I would have kicked myself if I had gone down 20% because she, then after we finalized that, she told me about a trip she was taking where she was going to buy a major piece of art and have custom, a custom gown designed by, I don't know, Halston himself or somebody. So yeah um uh knowing your client and but also being quiet and hold, holding your ground yeah. for a period of time but and not letting it slip away you know it is a balance because if you let's say gone down to 40 well to me that's it's still really good money if your cost was 17,000 you're still you know making a chunk of change but at the same time, you're, um, I guess three times cost of goods would be the minimum that I would ever do mm-hmm. if it's a large order, but still it's a lot of work you are going to, or have put into doing that. So you deserve it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so is there, um, any hot tip or anything that you would say in regards to um, oh, before, before I do that, I wanted to say, I might've mentioned this to you. Like the first time I knew that things like this were possible is when I had this lovely family who 
both lived in La Jolla, California, which is in San Diego County. And they, he's a lawyer and he has an office in Texas. And they love the photographs. We did uh, their family at the beach when their kids were little. And he ordered 19 16 by 20s, just as easy as pie. Now, I still gave them a good, good value on that. I, I needed to come down some to close the sale. I would like, can you imagine how I felt after normally selling like one or two wall portraits? <laughs> and there were some other big ones for their home uh, in La Jolla. <laughs> and they told me that when they were shopping for a new house in Texas, one of the criteria was that it needed to have a space where he could put those 19, 16 by 20s up so he could like walk down a, a big hall or a big entryway or something and enjoy them all. That's great. <laughs> together. So, so much more is possible than we think is the moral of that story. I mean, one of my, um, I took a class once with a photographer who said that he sold like eight wall portraits from a session and that just blew my mind. Yeah. And now, now it's like, oh, okay, that's a nice order. So, <laughs> so it's stepping stones. Would you yeah. agree with that? Like that Definitely. first thing? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I remember my first $4,000 sale and the, when I actually, the, the, the parents had both been very involved. The dad cried. It was fat and fantastic. Um, they knew what they wanted. Um, I helped them along and, uh, when it actually came time to talk money, the dad had happened to just excuse himself. And I, you know, I just, I couldn't stop. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, I went ahead with the mom and, you know, it was, and I, you know, of course I, it was, it was early days. I was discounting in my mind and you're know, like, oh, I've got it. I can't ask for that much. And it was not, this was all on the spot in person. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I, I came out at the end with, you know, I don't know, 42 or 4,300 or something like that. And then, so the, the mom, she's like, okay. And then just at that moment, the dad walks back in the room and he said, what's the damage? <laughs> and she turns to him and she says 4,300. And I'm just like waiting for like, you know, a freak out. Are you he's crazy? Like, he's like, oh, that's nothing. And I'm like, no. <laughs> yes. so, yeah. So it's like, it was just, you know, it's a few experiences like that. You realize that there's people out there who, you know, this is jump change. Yeah. And they're not, I mean, it, doesn't, it doesn't even have to be that it doesn't have to be no. they're dripping with money. It's just that they value mm. it. And I've, yeah. I've made six and 7,000 and $8,000 sales to people who I never would have guessed. Right. And then, you know, right. you go into someone's you know, $13 million downtown Toronto home, and they are, you know, not wanting to hand over your sort of minimum $2,000 order kind of thing. So mm -hmm. it's right. definitely, you know, you can't judge when people come in the door, you can't judge until you get, you know, deeper into the situation and you mm -hmm. really know what they value. It's not about, mm -hmm. not about the pocketbook necessarily. No. Of course, they have to have that disposable income, at least, you know, be able to, to, to find it, but, uh, and not everybody can, of course, but there are a ton of people out there sitting on, on a, you know, a lot of feelings of value for photography and are willing to pay for it. So, mm. you, you know, a few experiences like that, and you just go up and up and up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my, I know I've mentioned this, if people are regular listeners, I had a $6,000 sale and she 
made a thousand dollar payment every month for six months. Mm -hmm. And she said, I've never even paid that for a car. And she had a little fundraiser at her home. And I think her home is about a thousand square feet. Mm-hmm. And she had so artfully placed like a wall portrait of each of the children in the bedroom that they share together, mm-hmm. bunk beds. She had a wall portrait of she and her husband in their bedroom. And then in the living room, there was one of the whole family and the two kids together. So two, three, four, five wall portraits. And I probably for $6,000, she probably also got an album. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like you said, I've been in like McMansions and they say, oh, I put real art on the walls, oh, ouch. <laughs> you know, or they, or they just wrangle you down, you know, and try to bargain you down to nothing. So the other thing, cause I was thinking when I was mentioning La Jolla and Dallas and Toronto, people are thinking, oh yeah, in those big cities, you can do that, but not where I live. Well, tr- it's not true that. Yeah. It, as long as there's a doctor and a, well, so everybody's got some money <laughs> or within like one of my mentors years ago, Patsy Hodge, she lived like two and a half hours outside of Dallas in a very small town. And she was wildly successful. People came from her big town from to her little town and drove two and a half hours to her studio mm-hmm. because she, what she offered and her confidence and how she marketed attracted people to her. So it is not the area. It's that as we go back, it starts with that mindset mm-hmm. and then doing things smart. And if there's a lot of shoot and burn photographers, that's awesome because that means there's not very many people at the top doing the quality work. And there are always people that want that. Would you? Yeah, well, think- and that, that reminds me of that same $4,000 sale I was just talking about when I left, um, you know, driving home, I thought, thank goodness, I was there to help them get the photos that they wanted up on the wall, because they had used another photographer in the past, and they were looking to update the, the picture, the framed prints that they had on the walls. And I just thought, you know, I'm so glad that I was there to be able to do that for them. And, you know, I was thinking about had it been had it been me from, you know, five years earlier where I was, you know, had started a shoot and burn, I never would have been able to offer them that. Mm-hmm. And, and had it had, you know, whatever fate and brought us together and I was their photographer, I would be like, here's your digitals. <laughs> and they would be probably sitting there saying, well, how's that going to help us? Right. So I'm just just really thankful that I had you know, got to where I had gotten to that I could serve Mm -hmm. them in a way they wanted to be served Mm -hmm. and serve their children and their grandchildren and great, 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 greats. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, I've talked about photographs that I've inherited some that I only received like eight years ago when I packed up my mom's home and we um, had her go to uh, a boarding care as I found photographs I'd never seen before that were in a box from my grandmother's that my mom had received and then put on a shelf. So these legacies, that's, I love that about you, Heather, that we share is that, that knowing that we're creating things that have true lasting value. 
Okay, so I have two questions. So if someone wants to see your beautifully new revised (laughs) website and or maybe send you a little email, where would they go? Um, I am all over the place. I am on uh, website www.funlovephotography.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Fun Love Photography, Facebook at Fun Love Photography. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as both myself and uh, Fun Love Photography. Um, and I'm just getting started playing a little bit with Pinterest. So um, okay. I, do, I do have boards there and they're the same names. And uh, yeah. Great. I love it. I love it. And it's so fun. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. What's your parting thoughts? Something that if people just remember this, what would you like to share? Yeah, I would just say, um, create the, create your business model in a way that suits you and then take it out in the world and make it happen. And don't, don't ever, don't ever step back to make it easier for other people to save their money, make it easy for them to want to pay you to Mm. give them value. I love that words to live by. (laughs) (laughs) And, and a lot of that starts with that relationship and where they feel cared about and where they understand what you offer that is beyond just a photograph. Like if they could get that by just pushing a button, they would miss all the wonderfulness of the relationship with you, mm-hmm. right? Yep, definitely. Well, well, Heather, thank you so much. This has been really fun and I look forward to continued connection with you and supporting you as needed. And you've been a big support to my community and I think it's 74 countries now. So, mm-hmm. you know, say hello to people around the world. <laughs> That's excellent. And well, anyway. thank you for having me, Lucy. And you've provided me tremendous um, advice and support over the last couple of years as well. So thank you. Thank you. It's a win-win. <laughs> I really enjoyed that conversation with Heather. I am so amazed and proud of people that start their business and just keep moving forward and success. It's like for most of us, it's not instant. It kind of unfolds like a flower. And the stronger you get, the more experience, the more um, you figure out ways for people to find you the more, more, more um, your dreams come true. So um, thank you, Heather. Just before my quick wrap up, I want to remind you that if you go to lucydumascoaching.com, Lucy with an I, and click on the gift that's on the first page, 10 Big Ideas for Marketing in the Real World book, or the other one that seven tips um, for finding great clients. I think the title's a little different. You'll also get on my mailing list. I promise not to hound you, but I have been sending out um, little email newsletters about what's going on on The Profitable Photographer. And I'll be giving you information about some webinars and different things as I start to to enroll people in my online and live group program that's all about how I do my tried and true sales system. So here's a couple of things that Heather shared with us. Um, she used 
COVID as a time to step back and reevaluate everything that she's done. And I know when I've been in some recessions, this was a little different because we weren't locked down, but I use those quieter times to um, reevaluate and improve everything I can. She talked about how um, one of the things she learned from being in my course and my group class is about her value and worth. And she's gotten clearer and clearer that it needs to be an even exchange with our clients. Um, when it's all give, 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 we, we get em- empty. She shared about how powerful it is to have uh, some one-on-one support. She's always been up for that. And I really appreciated her sharing about what it was like to be um, part of my group coaching. And we've done some one-on-one and I'm the same way. Uh, I've enrolled in online courses and they're helpful. And I find that when there is also a way to get direct feedback and support from a coach or a teacher, I learn more. Um, She talked about how she's always upping the game and looking for inspiration. And her ahas were, some of them were knowing that when you believe in yourself and you act in a positive way, energy is more, is, I don't know, higher vibration and your positive thoughts and all of that lead to more success. Um, And then she broke down the anatomy of a $50,000 sale. And what I got from how she shared that is she's active out there in the world. So in this particular case, the person found her from a private school donation and she, um, she nurtured them. She has a newsletter. She made phone calls. Um, she planted seeds. She said yes to doing a birthday party, even though it wasn't normally her thing. And so, and then she planted the idea that when they got their family together from all around the world, it would be a great time to do a family portrait. And then we talked about how she kind of negotiated because sometimes, so I always make sure that my pricing and when I help people with their pricing is high enough that I can afford to do some bonus pricing on some things or, or throw in some extras. So, um, sales strategy for some people, it works perfectly that they say, here's the price, take it or leave it. So it kind of depends on your style, you know, something I love to help people with. And if you're a part of this, um, this sales group that I'm starting in the fall, the um, Profitable Photographer Sales Academy. We talk about all of that and more. So the last word, and I really love this, is number one, she said, create your business the way it suits you. And then she says, don't step back to make it easier for people to pay. Make it easier for them to want to pay for what you offer. I, I think that could be a really 
rich conversation. So that's it for now. Please let me know who you might love to have as a guest. Um, I'm always looking for those hot topics and uh, great people to have a conversation with. So ta-ta for now. Bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.